Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to radio show number 513, Employment is Dead, How the Metaverse Will Radically Change the Way We Work. Today we're going to be talking about how the current pains of employees are driving forward a new model for work that allows greater ownership flexibility and ownership over their work. The future of work is decentralization. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private, and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Josh Dream, who's co-founder and director of employee experience at the Work3 Institute. Welcome, Josh. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Joe, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so uh, really excited to be on the show because I live and breathe employee experience. I, once upon a time, was a student at Harvard where I was building a startup out of the Harvard Innovation Labs on how to pioneer employee sentiment in real time. That's a fancy way of saying that a year survey asking people how they're feeling is a nice um, benchmark for that one point in time. But if we can collect that data on a daily and weekly basis, we can better meet the needs of employees, design experiences that they love based on that feedback. Um, So that was a really fun project that led me down this path of employee experience. I am currently co-founder of the Work3 Institute. At the Work3 Institute, we marry workforce strategies with Web3 technologies. There's a lot of really exciting things happening as new technologies emerge and what it means for employment. And so, uh, we spend most of our time consulting on the edge of that. My co-author and I, Deborah Perry Pashoni, we are authoring a book called Employment is Dead, How Decentralization Will Radically Change Our Relationship with Work. And that will be launching with Harvard Business Review Press next year. So we're very excited about it. Lovely. Great to have you with us. So I think before we sort of talk in more detail about the sort of topic for today, it'd be really good to get your view on the sort of whole concept of employee experience and how that relates to employee engagement. We've had a few people on the show talking about the sort of differences or the evolution or the similarities. What's your thoughts on those two sort of labels, if you like? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to push the boundaries on what is coming down the road. Uh, Employee engagement, the term itself, I think, is already gone and done away with. It's, it, it, it was a great part of the movement for helping employees have a better experience at work. But the, the employee engagement era kind of ended for me when I recognized that employee engagement was this concept of, um, you know, helping employees be more engaged at work by offering snacks in the break room, hot yoga, Daycare, even in some instances, um, you know, slides that right into the break room, which is all very nice and it's all 
kind of creates uh, a futuristic world. Um, but are we actually asking employees if that's what they want? Or are we just kind of thinking that they want a pizza party and putting on a pizza party when really what they want is more benefits or a livable wage? And so uh, the birth of the employee experience movement and employee experience design, I think, is at that point where we say, well, let's talk to our employees. Let's listen to what they're saying and do everything that we can to give it to them, even if it doesn't really fit traditional employment structures. And maybe to even take that a step further, I do believe that employee experience design is the now of work. It's something that we should be focusing on to give employees the best experience possible. However, I do believe that that era will fail as well, just because even if we are doing employee experience design perfectly, there are still a few things that are in the way of employees having the best experience. For instance, traditional structures of work, these, these structures that we use, which is a rigid nine to five or a top-down um, central decision-making uh, hierarchy at the organization leads to a work experience where employees can't always be as creative or as innovative as they want or need to be there's a relentless drive towards productivity, which unfortunately tends to ignore if the work that the employees are doing is fulfilling in their lives, if it's something that they like to do. And so simply put, I believe that employee experience design will give way to a Web3 model of work that is a, a reimagining of the structures of work that give employees more power um, in the work that they're doing, more flexibility in how they're doing it, more autonomy to work when and, and how and wherever they are in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the book that you mentioned, Influence is Dead, um, the, the book talks, um, or is, yes, this is a new one. The book talks about the, what you call the work three revolution. So that's, that's a new sort of way of being in the workplace. Um, obviously, you know, we've had the Industrial Revolution, we've had lots of different changes in uh, organisations and, and in how we employ people sort of from that time onward. Um, you talk about it being different this time. Why is it different? What, what's the difference? What sets it apart from previous changes in the employment landscape? Yeah, I mean, that's a really great question. Um, and anyone who is in HR, I, I feel, is starting to understand it and starting to feel kind of those structural nuances. I mean, at the end of the day, employee engagement, employee experience is all about how employees feel when they're at work, how they feel when they're doing that work, and if that's positive or negative. And as you look at these employee engagement metrics that have been tracked by Gallup for decades, they're at the lowest that they've ever been. Employees are unhappy at work. They are unfulfilled in the work that they're doing. It's causing a huge problem. And when you start to see companies telling them that they need to return to the office against their will or telling them that they have to do certain things in a certain way, um, that's how it's always been done. So I do think that there's a level of like, sure, we just comply and we come back to the office. However, the reason why it's different now is because we have an entire generation who isn't going to comply, who sees a different way of working, a different way of feeling fulfilled, and it isn't the corporate 
ladder. They, they don't want their mom and dad's job. They don't want to climb the corporate ladder. They don't even want, you know, a pay raise. They want a life that is more balanced than what it has been in the past. And so we see kind of this stretching of this, I imagine this elastic band being stretched to the point where it loses its elasticity. And that band is the power structure of I'm the boss and you are the employee and I set the rules and the terms of your employment and you have to comply with that. And if you don't, someone else behind you is going to come and take your job. And so traditionally employees have complied with that dynamic. However, it's not, it's not going to work. It doesn't work today. And it's not, definitely not going to work in the future as Gen Z becomes more and more integral into the workforce today. What we need to be focusing on is balancing the power dynamic. So it's a two-way partnership or a relationship with employees instead of one way telling them what to do and they just have to do it. Why not bring them to the table, invite their feedback um, because they have a, a unique perspective and that perspective leads to, you know, greater productivity and greater fulfillment at the bottom line. I know on the show, you guys are, you know, this is episode 513. There's a lot of talk around culture and how a strong culture drives productivity. So why haven't we implemented that? Mm -hmm. And I know that there's a group of thought leaders who are all about, hey, if we design a better culture, we're going to win the game. I see a large group of C-suite executives who don't like the long-term race that it that is to get to that place they need to focus on q1 and q2 they need gains today for their shareholders and so the the value that we bring in this book is to say that that structure no longer works for employees it no longer works for executives and there is a whole set of disruptive technologies that are emerging that will completely change the options that employees have so instead of working for a corporate entity, they can work for a DAO or a decentralized autonomous organization or an organization that doesn't necessarily have a boss. It's a group of like passionate individuals coming together and sharing their passions and generating value together. Hey, let's talk a bit more about uh, the decentralized autonomous organizations. What are they? What do they look like? How do they work? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and there's been so much talk around Web3 and um, blockchain, cryptocurrency, a lot of these buzzwords being thrown around. Um, I, I think right now the general consensus is that these technologies are not viable. They're a scam. NFTs are completely value. They, they have zero value at this point. So let's just move on from that moment, and, and we'll be okay. Um, th that at least is like the general view of the public. However, those who are building it see these technologies as extremely viable. So without getting into the technical weeds, very simply, a DAO is, again, it's called a decentralized autonomous organization. The way that it works is it doesn't have a group of centralized decision makers who are making all of the decisions for that organization. Rather, the DAO is set up on what's called a smart contract. A smart contract is a self-executing contract, digital contract that will complete as certain, um, you know, certain agreements are met. So if I am a contributor 
Now, an employee, um, I would essentially um, work with this DAO under a smart contract, and I would provide value, and in turn, it would compensate me, whether that's real money or whether that's digital assets in the form of tokens. Um, a token is something that Web3 companies are using to help everyone in the organization be a part of the decision-making process. So if I have you know, a certain amount of tokens at the organization, I can use that token to vote on what needs to happen. And so as decisions need to be made within the organization, you don't have a few people sitting in a room together making decisions and then saying, all right, organization, ready, go. It's everybody at the table voting on what should happen. And once that democratization, once that, that process happens, then you go out and you perform that work. And so it's a way for everyone to, to have a voice. And it also breaks down some of these silos. You know, right now we have a structure where there's the IT department, the HR department, B&D, we have the sales department, and a lot of these departments have information that they've gathered that is only available within that silo. And so there's a lot of technology out there, especially some work tech, trying to pull those people analytics together for the entire organization. Within a DAO, that information is shared transparently and immediately on the blockchain. And what the blockchain is, stick with me here. If this is all new to you, I understand <laughs> it's a lot. But a, the, the blockchain essentially is where the information is housed. And so instead of having a centralized server, most, let's take a bank for example, most banks have a centralized server where they store all of their digital data, all of your financial data, all of your personal data. And the problem with that model is that it can be hacked a lot easier than a decentralized model. So the, the way that the blockchain technology works is that it's not a centralized server. It's actually a bunch of servers decentralized all over the world that is making records and in real time imprinting that data and it's immutable, which essentially means that if you have a digital asset, which is a cryptocurrency or an NFT, it can't be taken from you. It is your data and, and it's saved on the blockchain. And, and why that's important is because those of us who are on social media, we recognize that we have these big companies that own all of our data, that can trade it and sell it and do whatever they want with it, and we have very little say over that. The blockchain is a decentralized way for us to take back that power and say, that's my data. And so there's a lot of implications there. There's also implications around like what it means for HR specifically. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of processes that need to evolve, especially when we look at recruiting. If you think about it, it's interesting that we give a self-reported survey to you know, our employer, and they just assume that it's correct or that it's right. And we just assume that the job description is the work that we're going to be doing. And a lot of times there's a miscommunication. Well, if, if I were able to save my work histories on the blockchain, that's almost like having a digital resume that I don't necessarily have to share out. It's already there. All of the work that I've completed, all the certifications that I've received. So I know that I am Straight off the course a little bit there, but in a nutshell, I would say to recap, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization that works with contributors through smart contracts 
and are compensated through tokens or digital assets. And that is what we believe is the future of work. And how do they sort of, how do they get set up and, and who sort of, who, who drives them without it then becoming a top down being run by few people scenario? So what, how, how do they become, how do they, <laughs> this is a very convoluted question, but how do you do that? without ending up with a few yeah. people starting the organization in the first place? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a really great question. Essentially, what you're asking is, cool, that technology sounds great, but where does the rubber hit the road? And, and what does that mean? Um, how, how does a company transition from a Web 2.0 model to, say, a Web 3 model? And, and while I'll say that, the future does exist today just in pockets. There are ways for you to jump seamlessly into a Web3 model. I don't think that that is helpful for more, most organizations, especially organizations who might be trying to catch up um, with some of the technological advances that exist today. And keep in mind, AI is disrupting every industry, especially HR. So we can get into what, what that means. But I find what's most helpful is to not so much worry about jumping to a Web3 model and, and being fully in Web3. We're going to let the younger generation help us figure that one out. What we can do, though, <laughs> is start implementing some of the principles and some of the strategies um, that are the foundation for why Web3 needs to exist, which is decentralization. Decentralization is essentially saying – contributors need to have more value. Like they, they need to own the value that they receive. The corporate world as it currently stands is very extractive. Obviously there's a, an agreement, a contractual agreement where I, the worker, um, agree to work a certain amount of hours in return for a certain amount of compensation. And even if the employee generates massive amounts of value for the company, they still only get to retain you know, their paycheck. And so I believe that when we look at employee experience to design today, what we can start doing is start working on that partnership with employees, start listening to them. I mean, first and foremost, I always bring people back to that. If we are not actively listening to our people, forget Web3. We need to start by just giving them how they're doing, how they're feeling, what is their experience at work, and then the design better experiences around that. That's how we get greater retention. You know, we lower their attrition rate um, and all of the, the myriad of benefits that come with employee experience design. But I'll give you a, an example. Uh, there's a recruiting agency called Talent Pair based out of Boise, Idaho, who is making some big waves, at least in transitioning to a web 2.5 model. They're leveraging certain technologies right now to democratize how they recruit. Um, if you look at the recruiting industry and some of the pain points there, a lot of it revolves around, you know, who helped who get a job and what role did a recruiter play and how do they get compensated for that? A lot of times it becomes very cutthroat because, you know, I might've started the relationship and brought them into the fold and, you ended up, you know, helping them find the job, but we weren't compensated fairly for that. So 
they are currently leveraging smart contracts where any recruiter can work for talent pair and any stage of the recruiting process, it is imprinted on the blockchain who was responsible for helping that contact along. And once the contact goes all the way through the recruiting process, the block, the, the smart contract executes, which means that anyone who was a part of that process gets paid immediately. And that is revolutionary in and of itself. But it's also more exciting because if there's any change that needs to be made at talent pair, they have tokens where they can vote on what that change needs to be. And this is recruiters in the trenches making those choices instead of management at the top kind of seeing it from their vantage point, but not looking at all the angles or considering all of the, the opinions. So I find talent pair to be a very progressive organization. And again, they're finding the technologies to, to make it happen, um, which I'm happy to link below, you know, the list that I share out with our clients to help them get started as well. Mm. So these new organizations and, and the Web3 world, how does that impact on the role of HR? You know, HR can cover a whole host of sort of functions within an organization, one of which is around sort of structure and how things work, I guess. Um, but, you know, do we need HR people in the future or you know, will they to be needed because they, the organizations run in a different way? Yeah, it's such a, a great and poignant question right now. You know, I just went to HR Tech, and we saw so much around AI and the great technology that is more, it's obviously exhilarating and, and at the same time frightening for what it means for, um, you know, the HR department. I'm I'm here at the um, strategic HR summit where we are talking about this exact, this exact thing. Um, and I would say that absolutely the HR department is evolving. Um, what it was even a few years ago um, is not what it is today. I think the pandemic showed us how crucial it is to have an HR department and to help manage the, the myriad of challenges that they, ex that they experienced. Like, Hats off to any CHRO or HR director who survived the pandemic. It was quite the experience. The function needs to evolve. Um, HR, 90% of the work that they were primarily responsible for can be automated. Um, and that shouldn't be a scary thing. That should be showing us that we are evolving from being payroll specialists and making sure that the wheels are turning and making sure that we are <laughs> handling the compliance issues that come up and running the wellness seminars, right? That there is an evolution happening where people are still very important at an organization and AI is not going to replace humans. It's going to augment our potential. And so I think there's a lot of work to be done for HR departments to get on board with AI as well as understand, <coughs> excuse me, what it means, um, for the organization as a whole moving forward, that it's not about reducing the headcount, but increasing the productivity. So you've mentioned AI a few times, and I know the book um, touches on ethics of AI and, and Web3. What sort of ethical dilemmas do you think um, there are potentially with the more decentralized work environment? So many. <laughs> 
Um, there are there are so many that we are um, working through right now. Um, as all new technology, there are hiccups, um, there are road bumps. I like to compare it to having grown up in like the era of the dot com boom, where the internet was the wild wild west for a time. Uh, if you look at YouTube in and of itself, there are moments when it was like the worst platform that you can imagine with just content that was violent and pornographic that should not be up there. There were not regulations for children. There, there was just like, and there still are challenges that they're overcoming, but like they run into an issue. Um, they, they work to solve it. As a society, we work to solve it. And so it can be argued, right? Like social media, has it made society better or worse? <laughs> when you look at the polls, uh-huh. many people, especially as they look at like the fulfillment and happiness of their children, it is in the toilet. It is just terrible. Um, and that is partially why like Web3 is important. It's like coming back to a place where we aren't slaves to the algorithm we are actively participating in, you know, building it. And again, I, I recognize that that might be a pipe dream. That might be something that's really exciting. Can it come to fruition? But to answer your question around AI, there are definitely people in the camp of AI will destroy us. There are people who are in the camp of AI will become our best friend and help us be more effective than ever before. So far, that has been my experience. I have been implementing AI every single day in my workflow and a lot of the cognitive load and strain off of my workday so I can get more done, which is incredible. On the other hand, right, the, the, the argument is that AI will become so intelligent that it will not just replace our jobs, but it will create silos for us so that, yes, we are happy, but we are happy within the context that AI has generated for us, which begs the question, are we already there? We just don't know it. So I'm not a philosopher and I don't want, I, you know, I have very little power to change the, the way that the technology is, is moving, but I would encourage anyone who is skeptical about AI to start learning about it, to start using it. Because again, AI will not replace our job. People who know how to use AI will replace our job. Mm-hmm. And so we've just got another sort of couple of minutes left of the show and one of the other topics that the book touches on is about continuous learning and, and I guess I'm interested in um, as things keep changing in the world of technology how organisations can sort of keep up or maybe even get ahead. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy cow, when you look at traditional education models, I think that is the most apparent uh, struggle of a, of a structure that no longer works. Um, the younger mm-hmm. generation, you know, you, you read the data, you look at the polls, like more than half of students no longer believe that college is worth it, primarily because what am I going to learn in four years at college that I can't learn much quicker online, especially when you look at some of these platforms that are offering micro learning courses. So you can go out and get certified on your own time. And that actually develops these marketable skills that work. Um, You know, 
a lot of companies as well are dropping the requirement needed the, the degree requirement, essentially, right? Like you must have a degree in order to work at this job where they're, they're recognizing that the talents and skills are the things that they obviously want. And they're starting to find that outside of these institutions. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, so continuous learning is, is crucial and it's going to take a different form instead of, taking you know, a week off of work to go to a, a summit where you get to learn and sit in front of a teacher um, is, is gone. Um, the days of like micro dosing, <laughs> micro learning um, is, is here to stay. And that's going to be kind of the new benchmark. I think that HR is going to start hiring individuals that show potential for the skills and capabilities and get them up to speed much faster than they ever could. Um, because these courses are going to be hyper-tailored to the skills that these individuals need to have over, say, a SHRM credit, which is, is nice, but mm -hmm. um, what does that actually mean? Does, it, does that prove skills? Does that prove capabilities? And I'll say another layer mm -hmm. on top of that is that you can verify that this individual has these skills on these decentralized blockchain technologies, so you can actually get on there and you can see much like on Upwork, which is the number one freelancing platform, you can see the reviews on that individual of clients speaking great of the freelancer. You can see the projects that they've completed. Taking that a step further, a Web3 version of that platform would be, here are the skills that I have. Here are the courses that I've taken. And so without even needing a human to verify if I'm capable or not, AI can match you with several different DAOs working on projects that are very niche on your specific skills. And now you can do a lot more of what you love um, for several organizations at the same time and mix and match several streams of income. Um, and, that, and that's enough mm -hmm. to get me excited about these emerging technologies. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you, Josh. It's been great interviewing you today. Thanks for sharing uh, all the information that you've shared with us and good luck with your conference. Joe, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And just to let you know that uh, next week you have me back again, and I'm talking with Rosie Topkins about leadership and the power of reconnecting with nature. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.